All right, welcome to their episode of the Frog Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, get alongside my awesome co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor. Ladies and gentlemen, signing day, early signing day, I should say, has passed us. The Frogs made some noise, signing the most talented class in program history. And college football really got itself kind of back in terms of recruiting out yesterday we saw a record high in flips we're going to talk about the teams that really stood out in the national center we'll talk about tcu's class itself and why this top ranked class is top ranked for a reason and then we'll also talk about other things in college football but before that we want you guys to like and subscribe to the podcast tell your family and friends of the podcast next week we will have our official playoff preview podcast we were trying to get some special guests on we'll have a surprise for that some of you might already have a good guess who it's going to be but that is next week this one we're just talking about recruiting uh signing day and then we'll probably get into maybe a little bit more of other stuff but for now that's all we're going to do alan let's get your initial reaction off the frost class yesterday yeah i thought it's a really talented group it's great to see so many four stars finally signing on with tcu i saw a stat online somewhere that said that we signed i believe 13 to 14 composite four stars, depending on whether or not Warren Robertson commits in the next couple of days. And that's as many four stars as CCU signed from about a 14-year stretch from about 2000 to 2015. And it's really impressive to see this staff being able to sign such a great class only being on the job for a year. And I think the headliner of the class in my mind is Cordell Russell, a really talented wide receiver from Mesquite, Texas, who's probably going to be able to play a role really early on in this offense with how much production we're going to be losing at wide receiver next year. Yes, Alan, we we've we saw a good week for the Frogs. I mean, it was momentum that really pushed itself to the finish line. We still, have, like you said, have yet to have commitments excuse me, signings from Warren Robertson uh, and that's Michael Harrison pilot. He, Michael Harrison pilot will be committing during the all American bowl in January. Robertson, we have no idea uh, what his plans are. We're still hearing that Brian Carrington, TCU's former recruiting coordinator has been in his ear. Other camps have been in his ear about too many safeties. I mean, corners coming into TCU. So we'll be interested to follow that. But you talked about this recruiting class and how we gotten so many four stars and how this is kind of the, the, the staff has been able to push forward. Sonny Dyke said yesterday in his press conference that guys weren't returning their phone calls. And then six weeks ago, they started calling back. It has to do a lot with this playoff run, obviously, Alan. But can you just talk about how much this run and TCU being the first team in the state of Texas to go to playoff has an impact on the recruiting trail? I mean, yeah, it's massive when you talk about being the first team in the state of Texas when you're competing against the other Texas schools for most of these guys. And speaking of the state of Texas, when you think about when the run really turned into the potential of being able to you know, make the playoff, it started on that November night in Austin, Texas, when TCU was able to beat the University of Texas in a really an interesting game on ABC primetime. When we talk about guys like Marcus Deal and Jamel Johnson, former guys that most people thought would be at the University of Texas, and were actually visiting Austin that game looking as you know the Longhorns tried to get him to commit to being a Longhorn themselves – they saw a TCU team go in there and essentially dominate physically for four quarters. And that led them to make the flip to, you know, the good side of becoming a horn frog. And I think it's going to pay dividends as we move throughout the 2024 and beyond recruiting cycles. On to 2024. This morning, we got a commitment from uh, 
Marcos Davila, I believe I pronouncing that name right, who is a four-star, three-star, depending on where you look, quarterback out of Midland uh, Legacy, which is a historic program. We'll talk about that in a second, Alan. But the 2024 class has the potential, we talked about it last week, to be a top 15 class, and Sunday Dykes believes a top 10 class. Tell me one more about Davila and also what the impact of having a quarterback this early can mean uh, for the 2024 class. Yeah, Davila's a guy, as you mentioned, he comes from a really historical program, uh, Midland Legacy, formerly Midland Lee. If you've seen the movie Friday Night Lights, they are the Mojo's biggest rival in that film and in reality as well. And he's going to be a three-year starter when he finishes up his high school career at, at, with playoff appearances and likely all three years he was a starter at that program. And he's going to bring a lot of experience in big situations as long as a big arm and a really high potential type of guy that's going to be joining TCU in likely January of 2024, that is. So it, definitely an exciting prospect to have. And I would say the biggest thing of being able to get a quarterback this early is he's going to be able to recruit guys to build him his ideal offense out of. He's already going to have some weapons available from this year's recruiting class and a guy like Cam Cook, the running back out of Round Rock, Texas, as well as Russell, who we talked about earlier. And he's going to be able to try to reach out to more guys and try to get them to buy into the Carter Boys 24 class that we've already started working on. The most important thing in a, in a recruiting class that I will tell you is the quarterback. Look what Texas is able to do once they got Arch Manning. And bef- to be fair, deviating a little bit from the main topic, considering what Arch Manning was, and he didn't really bring that many guys really with him in terms of what it could have been. Because we've seen guys like Michael Harrison Pilot who were on that historic weekend with Arch Manning, not even really considering Texas as of right now, Marcus Deal, uh, Jamel Johnson, all these guys who really were being pushed hard by the University of Texas. And you have Arch Manning, who's considered the best prospect of all time because he not only is he talented, but he also has the name with it. Didn't really sign with him, but a quarterback can change a lot because it brings that factor. Other guys in this class that really stood out, Avion Carter out of Amarillo. He's going to be a potential end. You said Jamel Johnson, Rondon Fontenet, Channing Canada, Cameron Cook. They got so many guys that can be impact players down the road and that we're going to be very excited about. But the one thing that stood out to me, Alan, is they made it an emphasis to have presence up front. We've said this year that what's really lacked out of TCU is a consistent presence from the defensive line. Dominic Williams, a freshman, uh, has been great, probably an All-American true freshman, but in the three three five, we haven't really seen the consistency out of the defensive line, and that's something that this class really has with Deal uh, and Carter coming in. Yeah, and even more than that, we haven't even talked about the linebackers yet as we got Max Carroll from Memphis, Tennessee, who's thought of as possibly the next Zayvon Collins. Collins was a formal first-round pick that played in the Joe Gillespie system at Tulsa, and he's sort of had that same breed. He's a two-way player in high school that racked up great stats on both sides of the ball and most people think he is going to be a phenomenal athlete sliding into the linebacker spot 
past that point, as you mentioned, I think we need to talk a little about these JUCO guys. We're bringing in two JUCO corners, Channing Canada, as you mentioned, and then also Mason White, who are likely to have real playing time next season as we're going to be losing a lot at that position with Trey Tomlinson going pro. Noah Daniels is finally going to be ending his TCU career. And there's questions regarding Keon Stewart and Josh Big Newton if they're going to come back. So a lot of these DBs that we're bringing in have a real chance to find playing time early next season. Yes, this TCU has gone to the portal and got some great talent. Brockemeyer, Betch, JoJo Earl, all that. People are saying, oh, we have all these guys coming in. There's going to be guys who leave. There's a reason why, as of right now, where we would be over the roster limit. So there's going to be a lot of shakeup. And we've seen Jeremy Clark from 24-7 kind of point out how he thinks the DB rooms look very different. And I think outside of Tyron Chambers, off the top of my head, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of guys decided to enter the portal because this Joe Gillespie defense calls for such different types of athletes on on the outside. He likes the bigger guys on long corners, the rangy corners, as opposed to the smaller, skinnier ones. Joe Gillespie likes to be physical on the outside. That's not really how TCU's current corner system is built. So that's going to be very interesting. But the one thing that really stood out to me about this class was you take away Tommy Brockemeyer. We didn't really get some highly regarded offensive line talent, but the size is there. The highest ranked offensive line uh, high school commit we took was Benjamin Whitfield out of Duncanville state champion, 6'5", 270. Listed as a kind of a mid-grade three-star, we took Cooper Powers, uh, younger brother of TC football alum Jack Powers, and we also took two interior offensive linemen from South Oak Cliff. So A.J. Rucker, who has a great, uh, excuse me, Ricker, has a great track record of turning guys into very talented uh, offensive lineman, but it's interesting that that seems to be the only position group that didn't necessarily translate right away on the recruiting path, Alan. Yeah, I think it is interesting that they didn't necessarily reach out to the bigger names out of all the high school recruits, but when you talk about those four guys, those four guys have all been committed for a long period of time, well before the you know high school season even started, so I think that they're all going to have a chance to be really good players. Actually, on Saturday night of this past week, I was at in Arlington for the Duncanville versus North Shore game, and I saw A.J. Ricker there, probably there to support Whitfield as he was playing against North Galena Park North Shore, and he was a really solid player. When you talk about a guy who's playing a really high-level competition in high school he's going to be placing a very similar level of talent right when he comes into tcu another thing with that we talked about a guy like tommy brockermeyer committing at one of the tackle spots with andrew coker likely coming back next season it's very possible that you know we're going to be able to allow whitfield to grow for a year before he's even asked to step on the field in a real role so i think it's a really good strategy to you know get more project type of offensive linemen that can develop physically and turn into really powerful guys. Whereas, you know, you can build through the portal to find an individual need on a year to year basis. This is true. And we, TC has cleaned up in the portal to say the least. I mean, Sonny Dykes has even since he was at SMU has before the transfer portal even became what it is today. Sonny Dykes was going the portal and finding impact guys. And he's definitely do that at TCU. And if we can keep this string along, it's going to become even a bigger, bigger destination. But really the thing I want to highlight is, is that this season expedited 
everything that we thought Sunday nights could be. Going into this season, Alan, our we thought the ceiling was going to be around eight and four, and it would take one or two years for the balls really get rolling. Now this this snowball, ironically, I say that as snow falls both here in Chicago and in the DFW area, this snowball effect has really picked up in high gear, and this is going to be an instant translator on the recruiting trail because for the 2024 class, Wilt Fong and all these guys at 24-7 aren't saying we're going to be able to get a top 10 recruiting class if we didn't have the potential to do it or have the snowball effect that we do now. Going to the playoff has that impact on schools. Being in the state of Texas, having a bunch of coaches that have roots within the state of Texas makes it very, very real in terms of being able to get high-level talent within the state. And like Sonny Dykes has said since his first day as TCU head coach, you do not need to really leave this state to build a championship roster. As we've seen from Ohio State and Alabama and Michigan, they have to they go into Texas and grab guys to be impact players. So if you can kind of put that fence, excuse me, that wall around DFW and a fence around the Texas and Louisiana, maybe parts of Oklahoma area, you can you can build a roster that can compete at the highest level. Yeah, for sure. And when you talk specifically about Texas, I believe it's 12 or 13 players, depending on how you view the Metroplex, are from the north central Texas area. When you talk about how many great players we have coming in from Dallas, the two transfers, one from Alito and one from Fort Worth All Saints, and then going down into Temple and north into Denton, it's very clear the emphasis the staff is making on making sure that these kids are staying home and that TCU is truly turning into the Metroplex's team, that Sonny's done a great job of making sure that talent is finding out, you know, you don't necessarily have to go very far away to be competing at the, you know, highest levels of college football at TCU. And the best part is that we've talked about this plenty of times, but it needs to be honed in. When you have a school like TCU that has the resources and has the alumni and the boosters and everything that are committed to putting forth the best possible resources and facilities for their players, it makes your job a lot easier. What makes it really easy is when you don't really have to leave the state or go too far to find guys. Now, obviously, Sonny Dykes, he's not saying that we're never going to go outside of Texas to find guys because if there's a recruit that fits the mold and wants to be at TCU, it doesn't need to be located in the state of Texas for that to happen. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of schools out there who need to leave their region to be competitive. TCU doesn't. So that's going to be a huge advantage uh, going forward. So stay with us here on Frog Pop. We're definitely going to talk more about uh, this class. 2024 uh, is going to be really interesting as that shapes out, and uh, we'll truly see – depending on how the playoff goes, just how impactful that class could be. Let's switch it up, Alan, real quick. We're going to go to basketball. Last night, TCU played Utah in a quote-unquote neutral site game out in Salt Lake City. I think the only people that were uh, wearing purple that I recognize were Chicken Ricky Courtside and Braden Taylor uh, as well. So that's really all I saw from the purple side in this neutral site game. But this is a big win for the Frogs in the game that they were in technically underdogs for against a Utah team that beat Arizona handily uh, earlier in the season that has some pretty solid players and that definitely is a tournament team. Alan, when you watched the game yesterday, what did you see out of this Horn Frog teams against a very good Utah uh, squad? 
I mean, I saw a TCU team that looked ready and able to defend the in, uh, the interior much better than I expected. Utah has a seven foot two big guy. I'm not sure of his name, but he has been a dominant force. And when you talk about they beat Arizona, he was able to really find success against Arizona's other big guys. But Lampkin really shut him down. Lampkins definitely was uh, face guarding the big guy the entire game for all 40 minutes. We were rotating him and Cork and found a way to basically force Utah's other players to make plays. And on the offensive side of the ball, we just had better athletes. When you talk about a guy like Emmanuel Miller was just a matchup nightmare. Utah didn't have the ability to be able to, to really defend Miller as well as make sure they were keying on our other assets. And I think that we were just able to basically outmuscle them for 40 minutes in a way that really never allowed Utah to gain a sustainable leap. We led for a majority of the game and it was pretty easy going. And I guess if I had to give one other star of the game, it would be Jacoby Coles, who came in for the last five minutes down the stretch and drilled six critical free throws for a team that has really struggled on just with free throws period throughout the season. Yeah, I mean this TCU team has showed a lot of perseverance of this season. That loss Northwestern State was one that really kicked TCU down. I mean, this perception of the team that was supposed to be so highly thought of got ruined. Now, obviously that game, they weren't fully healthy and, you know, all these other things, but this TCU team returns everybody from last year for Fran Farabella and Rondell Walker, especially last night, gave some really quality minutes on the defensive end. Uh, His plus and minus was actually plus three yesterday, one of the higher ones on the team. So this TCU team is really shaping up for a strong run in a big 12. That's not going to be easy, but I really like what they're looking at right now. Emmanuel Miller dropping 21 points last night on nine of 14 shooting two for two from deep. That's huge. And if you can get Emmanuel Miller going, you already have Mike miles preseason big 12 player of the year. You have a guy like Chuck O'Bannon who dropped 20 against Arizona. You know, Damian ball can give you 20 if you need to We've even seen guys like Micah Peavy, almost touched 20 points before and Eddie Lampkin as well. So this team is deep, Alan, and they're set up for a team that I think is no one's really talking about as much as they should because of the Northwestern state loss. And this is a team that we very well could see being a top five seed in the NCAA tournament. Oh, definitely. Top five. I mean, it's definitely a possibility for this group. When you talk about last night alone, Damian Baugh and Micah Peavy didn't play their best games by any stretch. Peavy struggled with fouls and Baugh at times looked like he was really struggling to be able to maintain his, you know, fatigue and the altitude, let's just say. And I thought that it was really impressive to see the other guys step up. Rondell Walker, as you mentioned, Mike Miles came on and played defensively arguably his best game since he's been at TCU. And I think with that depth, it allows for us to really have our eyes set on playing our best basketball deep into the season and possibly able to make a run at a really high seed in the NCAA tournament and possibly a conference title. Yeah, this this a conference title is within reach, whether that be regular season or in the, the tournament, like you said. So it's going to be an interesting one for TCU basketball. Stay right here on Frog Pod as we'll cover them as well this season. All right, Alan, a final transition here. You'll be in attendance for this game, but between now and next time we talk to everybody, there's going to be a few bowl games on. You'll be at Amon G. Carter tonight for Baylor versus Air Force. We also have Louisiana Lafayette versus Houston tomorrow, along with Wake Forest versus Mizzou. Uh, New Year's Eve, sorry, New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve, there are no college games. So what bowl games between now and next Tuesday, Wednesday are looking forward to? Uh, but bef- before that, touch on the game tonight between Baylor and Air Force. 
Yeah, so I'll be I'll be at the uh, Baylor Air Force game tonight with some of my family that made the decision to go to Waco for college and for their work careers. And, you know, the thing is, it reminds me of another game Baylor played in the stadium. And shout out Ty Summers and Draven Howard because it's going to be really cold. It's going to be – there's going to be a little pre- precipitation. It's going to feel like that 2015 game when TC made that stop in overtime. And I think it's going to be a very similar result, except I think this time it's going to be a little bit more high scoring. I think there's going to be over 49 and a half points total scored in the game, even with the weather conditions. I think I'm going to go with a final score prediction of 28-27 Baylor. So you do have Air Force covering. Yeah, no, Air Force is going to cover, but it's going to be really high scoring uh, amidst the weather conditions. <laughs> um, and, uh, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I think this is this is a game where – a lot of people are looking at the, the weather conditions and saying that it points to Air Force, and this Air Force team is good. Going for ten wins, Service Academy getting ten wins is a uh, is definitely a big deal. But this game for Baylor mentally has got to be rough. I mean, you're, you're this the way their season ended with all the expectations they had of repeating, you know, having all this, you know, pub before the season. Then you lose to your arch rival the way they did, and then you have to end the season in their stadium as they're preparing for a college football playoff. I mean, talk about a big brother, little brothers syndrome right now. We're dealing with Allen. I mean, that's just the ultimate, you know, haha, you lose because we're, no matter if they win, their biggest win of the season is going to be in Amy G Carter, but not against the frogs. Yeah, no, good news for us is there's no bowl game at McLean Stadium in Waco, so we never have to deal with that. But you're right, 100%. It is a complete loser situation for Baylor that they have to be standing on that east sideline at Amon G. Carter Stadium in two-degree weather while you know TCU is prepping for the Fiesta Bowl with a chance to win the national title. And I think it's a great thing to see for our program. Besides that point, yeah, as we move forward into the bowl season going into next week, if I have to spotlight one game, I'm going to go with New Mexico State playing in the Quick Lane Bowl against uh, Bowling Green State University in Detroit. I think that's a really interesting game, especially since you want to talk about a Baylor killer. Talk about Jerry Kill, a guy that basically knocked Baylor out of the playoffs last year, coaching in a bowl game in his first season rocking his team from Las Cruces, New Mexico. And I think they have a really big chance to pull off an upset in, in their season above 500. So what's one bowl game you're looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to the Coastal Carolina, East Carolina game in Birmingham, the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, that is Tuesday, December 27th at 545 Central. The reason why... Grayson McCall is transferring, but he has said that he's going to play out this bowl game. So that's very interesting. Also, the two Carolina schools, I'm not going to lie. I'm not very familiar if there is rivalry there, but judging based off of just pure geographic location, there's got to be some bad blood somewhere between the Chanticleers and the Pirates. You know, both of those schools, sneaky good baseball programs, and they've been really lighting it up on the football field lately. The over-under there is 62. I think... But this the transition that Coastal Carolina is going through, plus just the added bad blood that's potentially there uh, for bragging rights over the, some region of Carolina. I just want to see this game go over at 62 and just see them sling it out and just root for chaos. So between now and next time we record, I'm really looking forward to that game, the Battle of the Carolinas, the geographical Carolinas. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting for sure. And uh, I, I guess it's just nice to have college football on television all day. And 
starting from, I guess, tomorrow through the, you know, new year, we're going to have football on all day, which is a great thing to see. I guess shout out to you because tomorrow is your 23rd birthday here, which is going to complete the trio of frog pod birthdays starting from November and through December. This is this is true as my Jordan year and my golden birthday. And, you know, I'm not asking for much this year, Alan. All I want is a horn frog victory in Phoenix. That's all I want for my 23rd birthday. So uh, to, if any players, coaches, staff are listening to this episode, that's all Austin wants for his birthday is a frog's win. I know they don't have as much control over that as uh, I would like, but that's my birthday wish. All right, Mr. Taylor, anything else before we sign off this episode? Uh, nothing else for me. Just go frogs. All right, I'd like to thank everyone involved. Uh, thank you, Alan, as well. Be safe tonight at Amon G. Carter Stadium. Say hello to her for me. Uh, we'd also would like to thank our graphics, Owen Graham, producer Schlossnagel. He is currently not being able to with us for the second straight week. He is en route to Puerto Rico uh, for to celebrate Christmas with his family. I'd like to thank uh, our director of content, Jamison Mullen, and our super fan, uh, Nicholas Capasso, and all those who uh, contribute to the Frog Pod podcast. We'll be back on next week with you guys for our official playoff preview game, uh, preview episode for the playoff game. Uh, so remember, like and subscribe to Frog Pod. Tell your family and friend about the Frog Pod. We think we do a good job here. Uh, TCU content, if you have any questions or having suggestions want us to talk about feel free to dm us frog pod podcast on instagram you can find us both on twitter so that being said always remember to make every day your best day and go frogs